outdoors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Monday afternoon edition of the Dunked on Basketball Podcast. There's a Warriors game tonight, so we're recording in the afternoon. Got a new sponsor to introduce today, Simple Contacts. You can take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer and then go to simplecontacts.com slash capspace to get $30 off your contact lenses. Now, you don't have to go to renew your prescription anymore with that dreaded annual appointment. So what we want to talk about today is who looks significantly improved from last year. Is it going to sustain, perhaps, in some cases and also just what are we seeing from these guys have they actually improved their skill level are these statistical blips and just to give credit to the guys who have improved themselves too because that's always one of my favorite things is to see players like jimmy butler for example a couple of years ago who really go from being more middling players to getting to improving their skill level and really becoming elite and that's not all of these guys but two of them certainly danny we have to focus on one already was a superstar the other had has played at a superstar level already this year. Uh, Chris Saps, Porzingis, and Giannis. Why don't we start by talking about what Giannis has done to get better this season? We're talking about Giannis as the first player on this, guys that have gotten a lot better, and he was the 2016-17 most improved player, which is amazing, but also completely fair. I mean, Giannis has really, at this point, made this transition into being one of the best players in the league. He is a serious contender for MVP, and a lot of the elements of what he is doing better are sustainable. He is been an absolute just terror in transition i wouldn't expect that to shift any bit i mean it maybe it gets down a little bit just because when you're averaging 1.38 points per possession it's hard to just stay up there but when i watch him play and i also feel like he's a better defensive power forward than than small forward i don't see much that feels like an aberration no, especially because it's not like he's tearing it up on jump shots. Now, he has improved his shooting around the rim to probably unsustainable levels because he's shooting 85% within three feet. I mean, that's something we've just never, ever seen anything like that before. I mean, even LeBron in his heyday was shooting in the high 70s. So you have to think that's got to come down just a little bit at least. But he's just as miserable as ever as a jump shooter. The one thing he's gotten a little bit better on are short shots, but he doesn't take a ton of those he's taking even fewer three-pointers this year than he was last year so certainly not dependent on that and he's still shooting only 30 percent on those shots you mentioned the transition it's actually even higher than you said it's 1.38 points per possession this year versus 1.28 last year which is insane and then also a lot of that again is his finishing around the rim and then he doesn't get a ton of putbacks but when he does he puts the ball right back he's got 31 points on 17 putback possessions that's completely wow. ridiculous efficiency the other thing interesting about him is he's being used a lot differently this year almost a 50 percent reduction in the number of pick and rolls that he's finishing that was 17 percent of his possessions now it is down to 10 and he's working much more in the post this year with his increased strength he's 17 percent of his possessions now up from seven percent and i think whether they realize that hey pick and roll doesn't work as well with him in fact in some ways i almost think he's got more of an advantage against smaller players like if you get a pick and roll and get the switch now he's against the center kind of waiting for him at the rim and he doesn't want to take the jumper whereas with small guys just in a post up and an iso which is up as well this year he's able to just work his way to the rim even kind of put his back to goal as he's driving and then once everyone has come to a standstill he can either rise over them or he can just step around them with that incredible length of stride that he has Giannis has also been able to build on some of the improvements that he had last year so one thing that I keyed on was that his assist rate went up 
significantly, but he also had the lowest turnover rate of his career. So he had these two different elements that are, were going in place in a positive direction. And while his assist rate hasn't improved, it has stayed at about the same level and his turnovers have dropped even more. And that's what you're looking for. And then you have the other side that sets more the passing element of it, though turnovers can be in a couple different facets that this year, his usage is skyrocketing again for the second year in a row. And he's been more efficient as a scorer. We'll have to see some of that. As you said, the, the 80 plus percent at the rim could tone that down a little bit, but he can tone down and still be an appallingly effective score. Well, it's very interesting because I think if you would have said, hey, well, Giannis is going to increase his usage from 28% last year to 34% this year. How's he going to do that, right? Well, most people have said he's going to take more jump shots, right? That was the big hole in his game. But instead, he's doubled down even more at the stuff that he was great at already, getting even more in transition, getting even more around the rim, even more on putback, using his size more. So it's really been remarkable you would have thought that those areas of his game were maxed out and yet they're not yet the usage is up pr up to 32.7 which would be the greatest of all time if he continues it for an entire season true shooting was already fantastic 60 percent last year now 65 percent this year the only thing that's down a little bit are, are his free throws but he's still taking about the same number per game he's just not as a percentage of his overall shots they're a little bit lower so it's really just been incredible and now you wonder now he has to be maxed out on all this stuff right so it's it's at the point now where for him to take another step which he may not even need to do it's really going to be the next question to me is more is all this going to work in the playoffs against really good competition if this bucks team can start even getting to where they're playing really good competition in the playoffs another remarkable thing is that both Giannis and Kristaps Porzingis are 22 years old so these are guys that are improving a lot but they're still by most measures substantially pre-prime so that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be you know better in every single way but you think about how much more room these guys have to grow and it's it's a little bit mind-boggling all right we'll get to the aforementioned porzingis momentarily here but first this from simple contacts going to the eye doctor to get a prescription i do not wear contacts but my fiance does and she always loathes doing that you have to make an appointment it's like a three-hour process to get there you're inevitably going to end up waiting in line you have to call someone like wait on hold until they answer your call and like i mean no one wants to do that anymore now though instead of having to do that you can renew your contact lens prescription and you can reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes so you take this five minute vision test from your phone or your computer and you record your eyes up close you read a visual acuity chart just like in the doctor's office it was funny actually when my fiance did it she was like oh man i like i can't just give him my prescription i'm like no actually like i want you to try out because she already has her prescription i was like no i want you to try this out and she's like wow this is just so much easier than having to actually go to the doctor's office she was like i don't need to do this i already have a prescription i'm like no like you're gonna want to use this next time you renew your prescription too so the test is recorded a physician in your state reviews it and then you get a renewed prescription you can order your brand of lenses so they have all the brands you're familiar with they've got options for astigmatism multifocal lenses colored lenses all at great prices you never even have to leave home no more waiting around it's not a full health eye exam which you need on occasion let's be clear about that but you can get this exam eye exam for only 20 dollars which if i'm not mistaken is far more frugal than your normal bricks and mortar going to the optometrist you can also get standard shipping for free it's really remarkable just to be able to do this all on your smartphone in five minutes that's the kind of products that we love here on dunked on takes what used to be an hours long process and now it's five so you can now get 30 dollars off your contact lenses if you go to simplecontacts.com slash cap space and enter code cap space at checkout so go to that url and then you enter the cap space code at checkout as well that'll get you 30 dollars off your contact lenses and of course let them know that you came from us that cap space code cap space url very easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time on the program so speaking of vision chris staffs porzingis maybe he had something done to his eyes he, he got some simple contacts in the offseason because he's just shooting absolute lights out so far this year and it's a different kind of efficiency jump than than you would expect to see because like we talked about with Giannis, he's not taking you know he's not killing it from three at some like he's at 41 percent. i think that that's you know it's possible that he could be up that high but when you look 
look at the other ranges, you know, he's not making a higher proportion of his shots at the rim. That part of his profile is similar, but he's killing it for mid-range this year. And he's also doing something that has surprised, I think, both of us, is that I felt he was better at center, partially because the quickness advantage was something I thought he could really use, and I thought it was a better use of his defensive ability. But he's really thrived at power forward, and he's played almost exclusively at the four this year. Yeah, he has. He's closed a few games at five with Lance Thomas at four, but again, it's when teams have really gotten smaller, but in general, you're right, it has been at the four. What really sticks out to me, his I think his performance is going to regress a little bit, whereas Giannis, he might, with that shooting at the rim, it, it might regress, but for Porzingis, from floater range, this is not necessarily floaters. For him, it's mostly really, I think, post-ups. He's shooting 64%, and generally the league shoots 40% from that range. So there are very, very few players who have ever been able to consistently shoot even 50% from that range in their career. So that's going to come down. He's also at 45% on twos outside the lane a lot of pick and pop there and also a a lot in the post which that floater range number encompasses as well and then you mentioned the three-point shooting where he's been you know mid 30s high 30s so far in his career and certainly well known as a great shooter but again we got to wait and see whether he can shoot 40 percent for the whole year especially with the type of volume you what's really been impressive to me though is just how much of his offense he has been able to create himself 24 percent of his offense which is an astronomical number in this day and age coming via post-up that's up 10 percent from last year and he's been extremely efficient on those shots well over a point per possession especially when you consider that that's in the half court and your average half court possession is 0.9 points per possession if you're over one that's really outstanding uh he's isoing more as well but generally it's just it's been a pull-up when he's gone into the post really likes to get to that right shoulder he's uh similar to Dirk Nowitzki in that way that Dirk always wanted to go right shoulder on those plays as well but he's got such a height advantage on these guys i mean he's even taller than dirk and and has almost as high of a release as dirk had that he's able to just shoot right over guys even if they know what's coming it'll be interesting to see though for him he only has 12 assists and so i think the next thing to look at danny is when teams really adjust to what he's doing now and how he's playing is he going to be able to find guys more because i think he's averaging the by far the fewest assists per game right now of anyone who's ever scored 25 points per game and for those who remember back when we discussed him as a prospect that passing was a concern for us but right now i think it's more about opportunity than capability but we're going to have to actually see it so that's going to be something worth watching and dirk was never a huge assist guy either and porzingis is playing much more like dirk than i believe he still i don't think is ever going to be quite as devastating off the drive as dirk was and dirk was even a grab and go guy at times in his career too so i don't think porzingis is quite going to get to being what dirk was as a driver off the dribble but we talk about the passing where he's taking the shots and where he's killing people he's not getting like right to the rim it's like oh we have to help he's in positions where it's very difficult to send help and you remember Dirk was the same way right he would post up at the free throw line at the elbows where it's far enough away from the basket that really brings someone over it doesn't work that well and for a lot of guys you know LeBron is this way Giannis is this way that Thibodeau style bringing a guy over into the strong side zone to just prevent the back down and the drive but not fully committing to double team that doesn't work against Porzingis because he wants to just shoot over the guy from 15 feet anyway and then the other thing that he's doing that's really extremely difficult to deal with is pick and pop and he'll pick and pop or he'll just slip the screen too and if he can get even the slightest bit of separation from his defender once he catches it he's going to be able to shoot right over the guy again right like he's his release is so high that the only way you can stop him from getting the shot off is you got to be right into his body so he can't even bring the ball up in front of in front of you and you can really get your hand right in his eyes to contest because he's shooting from so high and with that being the case it's really now forcing teams when he goes into pick and pop which hey guess what he's actually running that for once this year and then he actually he's the man now too right so when he's when he used to run pick and roll with Derrick Rose Derrick Rose wasn't exactly like looking to dime him up Rose is horrible at finding the role man and so with the point of these plays being to get him the ball teams are deciding now they're just going to play like a squeeze coverage we talked about this a little bit when we did their game against the Hornets a couple of days ago that the big has to just come up tight to Porzingis they'll try to go under on the Knicks miserable point guards and either force them to shoot or force them to get to the rim and just the big is just not leaving Porzingis even when he sets the screen and so that's uh that's something that the Knicks are gonna have to deal with there's gonna be pressure on their point guards but the fact that even that's what's required of teams now to 
guard him and pick and pop. I mean, that shows what kind of a threat he's become. Yeah, I mean, it's been a remarkable year for him so far. And do you, you want to move on to, I, I have the next guy I think I want to talk about. Yeah, let's hear it. Aaron Gordon is a little bit of a different case because he does look a lot better, but I worry a lot more about regression. But there's an important line here, which is that there is a long way between regression and significant improvement. Like he could still have a wonderful year. So for example, his career high on three pointers was about 31% before this year. He's shooting 57% from three. He can be, if he's at, you know, 38, 40%, that's a game changer for him. He doesn't have to be where he is right now to be an important player. And he's a part of that. Even 35% is good. I mean, and and needing to be guarded too, right? Because it's all about, he's not a guy who they tried him as the guy with the ball in his hands last year with those super big lines. Like, oh, he's going to be our Paul George. Yeah, he's not that player. Um, And he's still not really going to kill you necessarily in the mid range, either off the dribble, you know, passing, dribbling. He's not that great. But if you have to run out at him at the three point line, now he's going to blow by you and you're about to get dunked on. Is this like in a movie when they say the name of the movie and like think that they should look towards the camera <laughs> but but the other thing that gordon's been doing this year and, and from what i can tell some of it is set up by his jump shot but also it's situational is that he's shooting 79 percent at the rim and he is a phenomenal athlete he was his career high was 68 percent before this year but if he can keep that you know again if he can keep it not where it is right now but significantly better than where it was before then that's another place that he can provide value same thing with mid-range shots he's 50 percent from long two and you know doesn't have to be at 50 percent if it's at 40 fine and and gordon you know all of those things especially now that he's a full-time power forward it's so much easier now to see the path that he can be productive offensively and then defensively he's still multi-talented still figuring it out but it's he's it's a lot easier to see okay this is what he can be on a good team now than it was a year ago and that's fantastic for him because we don't know where the extension negotiations got but if he can get anything close to what he's been doing so far he is one of the team one of the players that teams with cap space will prioritize the summer yeah and you have to imagine a potential max offer especially with his defense of potential i mean he's not going to keep this up all year i mean but i think like this would be kp did a study about andre drummond who we're going to talk about in a second here and what he looked at was okay what are the chances that someone who is truly a 40 percent free throw shooter could shoot 75 percent or whatever he's shooting over this many attempts and he said that that's pretty low and so while he may not stay at 75 percent the conclusion is he's going to be at least somewhat improved and i think you can get to that point with Gordon too I mean it's only been 50 attempts basically but for him to shoot over 55 percent even over that period of time I think and then you throw in what he's shooting on the long twos as well I think you do have to at least conclude that some kind of an improvement has been made we just don't know how large that is yet so I think that he's also really been helped a lot by the magic continuing to push the ball and he's one of the best transition players in the NBA and just some of the dunks that he can get out and transition are breathtaking I mean he as a two-foot leaper he probably takes off further away from the rim than just about anyone that I've ever seen. And I think getting more transition buckets has been a part of why he's shooting that nice percentage at the rim. One thing he's struggled on is when he can't get all the way to the rim, he's shooting only 17% from the floater zone. Uh, probably can do a little bit better there, but not a guy who's going to kind of slow down and be under control on those type of shots. I think he's kind of out of control and has to throw stuff up. But still, for where he was as a shooter last year, I mean, this, this has been impressive. And if he can evolve into being a competent outside shooter you know i think he does have all-star potential where do you want to go from here i mean we have a couple options but one of them is basically the entire detroit pistons team yeah i think uh, drummond certainly we don't need to spend as much time on all these guys and right. i think you know in the 15 and 60 next year next week too we'll get into it but drummond's free throw shooting has been huge also his offensive rebound rate had been in decline for a couple of years he's back up to getting 17 percent of available offensive rebounds and that becomes a more useful skill and just his minutes per game is the other thing also you know with Aaron Baines gone now Van Gundy doesn't really have a security blanket John Luer has missed the last five games as well so they haven't really even had Boban hasn't been playing so they haven't really had a backup center option and they've been playing him 35 minutes a game and with the improvement in the free throw shooting he's actually able to stay out there and I think we also should give some credit to Reggie Jackson I mean, a lot of that is health related but he's also trying harder on D like he had to I watched some of that Miami game yesterday he actually had to guard Goran Dragic because they put a 
Avery Bradley on waiters and he wasn't like locking him down or anything but he wasn't just dying on every screen he looked like he was actually trying and that was good to see yeah it's been huge and while we're not going to focus on him in this congratulations to Tobias Harris for winning East Conference Player of the Week a guy who we've been supportive of for a long time and has been important what the Pistons have done over the last few weeks yeah I mean he certainly deserves mention especially with how he's shooting the ball from three-point range and again another guy who won't continue to shoot at this rate but every year it does seem to get better shooting the ball and just looks more comfortable he's increased his three-point attempt rate as well uh he is going to be locked in a death match with clay thompson to see who can have the highest scoring season in nba history without ever ever getting to the foul line so that'll be something to track for the rest of the year um who else has stood out to you i think it's hard so there are a series of guys i think in, in their second year that have done a really nice job but the one that i think it's more than just getting used to the league is sabonis because sabonis last year was was awful he was playing a lot early because there was the investment you know that they had used used a high pick in the Serge Ibaka trade on him they didn't really have a great other option at power forward now partially because he got to play some time at center and because he's been able to you know to to get a better sense of it with this different team he just looks like a completely different basketball player to me and a player who has a spot in the league I don't know exactly where that is and we're going to see how he interacts with Miles Turner they played they played him a little bit with him but then also some separately but I've been so encouraged by him and then the other guy along that line unless you want to talk about him separately is his trading partner and teammate Victor Oladipo who has done the double that I always like where he's increased his volume his usage is blowing his career high away and he's more efficient than he was before and he has a harder job in some ways now because he's more of the focus of the opposing defenses and he's also gotten back with that to more of the passing and free throw drawing like he had in his better years in Orlando which obviously shifted last year because he was a part of the Russell Westbrook train yeah and both Sabonis and Oladipo there are a couple other guys that that I'll talk about in a second fall into this category as well you always wonder with some of these guys there's a hope that hey this guy could do more maybe he's just not being used right I'm sure that three quarters of the players in the league would tell you that they could just be killing it if they're being used right and they're being empowered more and for some of them that's not really the case right like Serge Ibaka was someone that every once in a while he would uncork a drive he'd uncork a post up he looked to have a high skill level when he was in OKC and then we thought hey you know maybe he can do more when he's in Orlando and when he's in Toronto and that was not the case at all he's just too bad of a decision maker just couldn't handle it would turn it over a lot took a lot of bad shots still doing that in Toronto though he has been pretty efficient this year even in spite of that and you get guys like that all the time where it's like oh now that he's he's been given a larger role sometimes it works out and they're really empowered and they have these skills or have improved their skills that you didn't know they had but most of the time if guys aren't doing something in the NBA there's a reason for that and that is that they can't do it and so I generally my default is unless it's a super young guy who is has some ways to develop and and he's going to develop in a logical way where you say you know what like the reason this guy isn't doing it is because he can't and maybe he can but probably his coaches if they could do it would be trying to have him do it but we've seen I think this year a lot of guys who just when they're more empowered even veteran type of guys like Oladipo and then rookies as well or, or second year guys Sabonis being one of those and then another one I think too is Jalen Brown in Boston falls into that category absolutely he does I mean Brown has looked like a more complete player to me I think he's also been better defensively though except against LeBron James I don't think he was terrible last year he just just looked looked more competitive and his the system fits him so well but offensively I, I've, I've seen another big step from him and remember he's going to slide into an even more manageable role when they get Gordon Hayward back whenever that is yeah I think for Braun he's looked more comfortable shooting the ball which has been good for him I've really liked the way that they've been able to use he and Jason Tatum where they're able to move the ball around especially when Kyrie is out of the game they move the ball around and those guys are great attacking when they have a slight advantage right even though both of them have their moments in isolation Tatum in particular we have not seen him doing much in isolation but they are all guys who have a lot of quickness and when there is a small opening they can really attack through there widen it and then get to the basket and finish and that's what we've seen a lot of success from Brown they'll run some plays for him too Brad Stevens loves opening up quarters by setting a back screen for Brown to get to the room we actually saw that in game seven against Washington last year he'll run that those type of plays pretty often but I think the biggest thing even for Brown has been his defense and that he has actually matured faster than I thought he could especially against smaller players he really does better against smaller players I think than larger guys when he's in the post he obviously has been 
powerless against LeBron. Had a couple of dumb jump in the air at pump fake fouls on DeMar DeRozan too. So it's really more the static guys when it's really a quick guy who is trying to attack on the perimeter. I think he's been pretty good there. Uh, who else pops out for you? There are a couple of kind of, because one of the original ideas was also like guys that have shown something new and Nick Vucevic shooting threes. So he took 26 threes in his first five seasons combined, 75 last year and then 57 so far this year. And he's making 40% yeah. of them. From 1.2 per game last year or per 36 minutes last year to 5.3 per 36 minutes this year. And as you were about to say, I'm sure he's making 40%. Right. And so again, like like Aaron Gordon, you don't know if it's going to be, well, it's not quite as extreme as that shooting 58% from three. But that again, adds a lot to the variety of Orlando's attack and whether they end up getting somebody who's better than him and who fits that role, there's still a value to, to Vooch there. And then another guy who has really impressed me in limited minutes, but he might not have limited minutes for that much longer is Jakob Pertl. I think Pertl, what, even with the eye test, it just also so happens that the game we saw in person was his best game of the year so far. But when I watch him in person, when I watch him on film, he just, he he moves well. He plays with, he plays with intensity. And I think Pertle could end up being the type of center that you want to have kind of the next age one where he, maybe you don't want to play him 30 minutes a game, but if he gives you like 25 or 26 good minutes, then you can use non-traditional guys, especially in the playoffs going in other ways. And that's what the kind of thing Toronto should be looking for. Well, and I was impressed in that Warriors game too, by his versatility defensively. I think maybe he might be one of these guys that you don't have to take off the floor. And there's a hope that maybe he could be one of these guys who can actually hurt you on the offensive glass and is fleet of foot enough to stay on the floor defensively against a lot of teams. Now we'll see what happens when teams try to attack him a little bit more, but I I was impressed with his mobility. Another guy we can talk about too, maybe falls under the greater empowerment category is John Simmons on the Magic. Because he's on the Magic, he's shooting 40% on threes with absolutely zero history of having done so before this. And he's also shooting 61% on long twos. uh, In addition to really, I mean, a lot of his shooting is unsustainable. 50% from floater range as well. So uh, that's going to have to come down. But he has continued his great play from the playoffs last year. And he's been given the green light as one of the main guys, if not the main guy on their second unit. And he's really capitalized so far. And he also has been a big part of helping their defense a little bit and also a big part of helping them run a lot, which is they has really helped what is a limited offensive teams in terms of traditional creators off the dribble to still be efficient. He has looked so much more comfortable with the ball in his hands this year than I remembered from him either of his two years with San Antonio. And incidentally, San Antonio could use a guy like him right now with Kawhi Leonard being out. They didn't make that decision, obviously, with with the knowledge of really how severe Kawhi's injury was or, you know, all the other stuff. But I, I think they've really been missing him so far this year. A guy whom I expect to be maybe the highest center in the league in RPM when it comes out is Robin Lopez. He is averaging three points a game more than his previous career high in basically about the same number of minutes. He's a little bit higher, 31 minutes a game this season. Uh, he's even taking a few three-pointers, about 0.5 per game. And on a extremely limited offensive team, he's just been taking a ton of mid-range jumpers. And that's something that he's had in the arsenal but he's pushed it out further than 15 feet now and he also has a nice floater game and it's really the biggest thing though has been the volume that he's been able to have outside of 16 feet running some more pick and pops taking harder attempts and if i'm not mistaken i haven't checked this in a few days the bulls actually had a positive net rating with him on the floor and they're like negative 30 whenever he's off the floor so that's why i think he's probably going to be one of the highest guys in rpm when that comes out so we can just alternate here if you if you want to pick your next person so let's stay on the center on the center beat. Kyle Quinn has had a nice under the radar season as a part of the overstuffed Knicks frontcourt rotation. He already was a good passer for his size, but he has a, a assist percentage over twenty now, twenty point eight percent. Also has career best true shooting, and he's getting to the line. You know, he's getting to the line a lot more than he has in the past. And again, he's not. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but he's looking more like a solid backup point guard and or sorry, backup center. And where I was going with this is that those players. Have have value around the league even though there aren't you know there aren't as many spots there just having somebody who you feel like you can trust there is important and in another year I think the Knicks could actually get an an asset for him if they wanted to but this year maybe they don't maybe they just stick stick with him because they're happy with what he can do yeah the biggest issue for him has always been reliability 
ability and this year he's turning it over more than ever <laughs> so never mind but the assist rate is also up at least a little bit and also getting to the foul line a ton more uh and but i mean he's put up some great box score numbers i mean he had a 20.5 pr last year but hitting his shots a little bit more getting to the foul line a little bit more this year and throwing some more passes Otto porter we don't need to spend a ton of time on him because he's just shooting better than ever really i mean he's he's still i would like to see more volume from him taking even harder attempts because he's just so incredibly efficient i think he's like 67 percent true shooting the last time i looked a couple days ago but just getting more volume from him i mean how about you shoot more and you get down to 60 percent true shooting and you're still a really useful player because it, it's gotten to the point now where i mean he was someone that shot 40 percent on threes the year that he came out of georgetown but hadn't really been known as a shooter before then and he looked like a guy who might have trouble adapting to the nba three-point line with kind of the funny shot form that he has and it took him a couple of years but now i mean it just when the ball comes off his hand on pretty much any kind of jump shot you just assume it's going in before we move on to the next person i got robin lopez's stats so sadly after that spurs game he is below water in terms of net rating at negative 4.5 but they're getting outscored by 25.8 points per 100 possessions with him out partially at 85 offensive rating and a 110.7 defensive rating wow that's bad that is bad another guy who we saw in person recently is robert covington on saturday night and one of the things we focused on with the sixers is joel Embiid's games played and robert covington's three-point percentage and robert covington's three-point percentage is 49 percent right now so he is uh definitely doing his part he takes some pretty difficult attempts as well he's taking now 8.6 three-pointers per 36 minutes which is a crazy high number almost as high as in 2015-16 when he was just the only guy who could take a three on that sixers team and with he and jj reddick out there really that's been a big part of why ben simmons has been able to have the success that he has had because he's been able to bully his way to the rim and then if you bring help he dimes those guys up for three-pointers and i'm sure simmons of course has helped covington as well i would expect covington to maybe settle in still you know high 30s low 40s but he's shooting it with a ton of confidence right now and it's going in two guys that i've derived significant personal satisfaction on because they both got in the doghouse and are now succeeding on the same team are emmanuel Moutier and jeremy lamb lamb was somebody that liam covered wait no 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 on the same team what are you talking no about? on the you're, same you're team that they were in the doghouse on not on the same team as each other like they didn't have to change teams to get their chance like oladipo did oh oh yeah. got you got you because okay. i like yeah. i like the, not right I, when it's not a second draft it's just it's just a guy getting a chance on the same on the team that had previously buried him and i mean jeremy lamb had been marginalized and publicly criticized by steve clifford and then when nicola batum was out and he should be coming back this week he got a chance and i think he's really delivered and with moutier part of what happened with jameer nelson might have been to just give him the shot but he's really delivered by the way we should save this and go back and look at it at the end of the year and see like how many of these guys actually were able yeah. to maintain the performance that we're talking about that'll be an interesting exercise i can save i can save this as a document this somewhere season stuff yeah see how much of this early season stuff ended up really coming true especially the guys who are relying on shooting like moody as you mentioned lamb is shooting very well on long twos but he's he's another one of those guys who with the empowerment thing as well moody is being asked to do that much but lamb is being asked to do a ton and, and i think that's more important than when he's playing a bit role and so if you're not scoring then what does the coach remember about you he remembers your defensive mistakes if you scored three buckets and you made one defensive mistake now you have a little bit more of a positive resume to offset that uh, you also want to talk about Kyrie a little bit you're saying that he's playing better i think so it's it's always hard when a player moves into a system and an approach that's so different from what they've done before partially because of gordon hayward's injury but this surrounding talent is better obviously than what he had in cleveland before lebron but Kyrie's assist rate had looks similar to what it did then back when he and Dion waiters formed the best backcourt in the nba and he has the lowest turnover rate of his career he's getting to the line less but he's shooting more threes and he's struggling a little bit from there but he's a good three-point shooter so in terms of shot distribution i'm broadly okay with it and it's hard on the defensive end with him especially to really go well i mean they've defended like gangbusters when he's been on the floor and i do not think Kyrie deserves the line share of that credit but i do think that he's giving slightly more of a shit and that's a good thing 
Pascal Siakam, another guy who I want to watch a little bit more closely. Last year, he got a lot of time as a small ball center, started at power forward for much of the year, and he really has changed his role quite a bit. He's taking 30% of his shots from downtown this year after taking 3% of his shots from downtown last year. He basically just like never touched the ball last year. I think he's really benefiting from Toronto's efforts to move the ball around a little bit more than they had. And his usage has gone up from 13% to 18%. 18% is actually a pretty big number for, for someone like him. And then his turnover rate has been slashed as well. So his PR up to 18.6, 59% true shooting. We'll see whether he can keep up this 35% shooting from downtown. He's been much better around the rim as well. They've even been playing him at the threesome. They did that. Not something I would necessarily want to go to too often, uh, but they had Norm Powell out on Sunday in that close game they lost at Boston. But he's been, and he had 20 points in that Warriors game too. He's been able to find opportunities to slip to the rim shoot threes and then when he gets closed out he's actually been making decent drives and decisions which i thought frankly was kind of beyond him but if he can actually make some shots they could have a player because he does have a lot of defensive versatility all right i think that's everyone that comes to mind sort of yeah well there's one there's one more we have to talk about it'll be brief because we just discussed on the 1560 but blake griffin's three-point shooting it has to be a part of this because going basically going from that being an, an ancillary thing to being a big part of his offense and making about 36 6% of him is a a massive development for him personally and we don't know what's going to happen with his finishing at the rim but that's been a big buoy for his offensive effectiveness yeah absolutely and he's needed that as you mentioned because that's gone down another guy we talked about as well as Tyreek Evans who's had a a great bounce back and there's a whole category of guys who just look healthier you know it's not I don't know whether it's necessarily skill development but Damari Carroll certainly falls into that category with the Nets at least early uh Eric Gordon whom we also discussed quite a bit yesterday on the 15 and 6 Chandler Parsons we talked about in the 15 and 60 uh Brandon Wright as well just finally healthy again in Memphis doesn't have quite the same explosiveness he had when he was younger but still a solid finisher around the rim and then Rudy Gay is playing at a more efficient style with the Spurs and looks really like he hasn't quite lost much from where he was athletically before that Achilles which has been uh, remarkable for him all right we'll get to some news right after this from Siki we've been talking about all these improved players talking about their stats we've watched them but if you're really going to appreciate them you got to see them in person there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or player in person or musician or concert for that matter as well and SeatGeek is the best way to do that because it saves you time and it saves you money with just a few taps you can instantly find seats they aggregate ticket billing sites together so you've got all of them at your fingertips and then they rank every ticket based on value as well whenever I'm going to an event that I need to buy tickets for I always use SeatGeek as my first stop because I can be out of there in 90 seconds. It used to be a 20 minute process because you know I'm very analytical about everything, including buying stuff. So I have to get the best deal. I used to go to all these different sites and be like, oh, maybe it'll be cheaper on this site. And then I would try to find the absolute best value ticket in the section I wanted to sit in. But now I can just rely on SeatGeek to bring those options in front of me, rank the tickets based on value, and I'm done in 90 seconds. Best of all, my listeners can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. You do that by downloading the SeatGeek app, entering promo code CAPSPACE. You remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time in the program. It's all one word, CAPSPACE. That's promo code CAPSPACE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, we got some news to get to here. Where shall we commence? Is this going to be the last podcast where we talk about Robert Covington's renegotiation and extension as a perspective thing rather than being a consummated thing? Yeah, Mark Stein reporting what many believed, but this is the first time it's straight up been reported. Philly has about $15 million in cap space remaining after their summer machinations. They are going to renegotiate and extend him. And the way you do that basically is you can give him an extension beyond this year, which is the last year of his contract, making the minimum the fourth year of that hinky space special as you coined the term and then that 15 million the way to think about it is think of it as part of the next contract except he's getting it now as a renegotiation upward from this year but it's new money that he couldn't have already gotten right so the expectation is that he's going to get a little bit of a bump down you know maybe to 12 million or so from this year you can reduce it by as much as 40 percent should you want to and that then it'll go on probably for four years so you add that 15 million to what would have been a four-year 48 million dollar deal and then you're at four for 63 and i think 15 million dollars a year especially the way that covington has shot the ball so far the way he's defended this season although i thought he did actually struggle uh against kevin durant quite a bit the other day but as one of the few three and d guys true three and d guys 
in the NBA at the three, 15 million a year is an excellent deal for the Sixers. This is also a very different kind of risk mitigation because a lot of people associate extensions, especially for guys who haven't been in the league that long, as preventing restricted free agency. That's not true for Covington. He would have been an unrestricted free agent. He turns 27 in about a month, so it'll be his best opportunity for a big contract. And the Sixers would have had the ability to use bird rights on him, but the price could get a lot higher. I mean, there, there aren't that many players, especially the three, who can do what he can do. And at the same point, he gets security because he's never made that much money in his career. He's been on the minimum basically every on Houston and then here. And he gets that opportunity to lock it in now and to get a lot more money this season. So I think that's why it always made sense to both of us to, to have this happen. But, you know, we're on the outskirts of it. And then the big number to watch for this is the 2018-19 salary. So how much it drops because that number replaces his salary. So that goes to it. And then that's going to give us a much clearer idea of how much space Philly's going to have to work with and what they're going to have to do to get to enough money. We assume they're going to go after a two guard, but how much money they're going to need to clear, if anything, to get that guy. Yeah. And presumably they'll want to make it as low as they can in that first year and then have it again, increased by the maximum possible 8% raises. One of the things we'd talked about though, was if they could have just gotten off of Jaleel Okafor's money, they could have offered even more to Covington and then found a way to reduce his number even further in future years or maybe get some other team friendly stuff like a non-guarantee or a team option or something like that well or in that case if they had started at that high maybe they could have had it start maybe a little higher and then descend it and then as when those contracts get expensive for Simmons and presumably Markel Fultz if his shoulder gets fixed then he counts a little bit less on the books and we're we see the benefits of that sometimes around the league where teams are just really happy the guy's contract is descending but right now it looks like that's not what we're going to see because 2018-19 is so important for them yeah staying in Philly Jared Bayless has been out with that left wrist contusion that's expected to continue for at least another game or two but I think they've actually looked excellent with Dario Saric starting in his place and I would likely stay that way even once Bayless returns yeah and we haven't really seen much or heard much about Markel Fultz since they functionally shut him down for an indefinite period I think it was a minimum of three weeks is that right yeah I mean I did see him he is traveling with the team I saw him on Saturday like he has reach up and scratch the back of his head with his right hand so uh you know he's cured um we'll see I, I don't think that means anything but it was kind of funny that like the three seconds that I saw him he was like moving his right arm around above his head uh not very high of course um let's see we'll talk a little Boston here Kyrie Irving suffering a facial fracture after running into I believe it was Aaron Baines uh, he missed their victory against Toronto on Sunday he'll be wearing a mask it's termed a minor facial fracture I was not sure that there's much that strikes me as a minor facial fracture but that's how it was termed uh unclear if he'll play against brooklyn they probably won't need him to beat this brooklyn team because d'angelo russell is now gonna miss time with a knee contusion at least a few games according to woge and then spencer did also out with the hamstring injury so it's uh that with their top three point guards all out of action remember lynn of course has that torn patellar tendon it's isaiah whitehead time in brooklyn for at least a little bit here and they've also been getting killed on the interior part of that's because jared allen who has looked good as a rookie missed a few games with a foot issue but he could return for that boston game so that would be a nice little boom for them but there's not gonna be anybody pass them the ball yeah and they've just been getting completely destroyed in the interior Jokic put up 40 on them Derek favors killed them against utah on saturday so i mean you wouldn't think that like a rookie drafted number 22 or whatever he was drafted would really help a team but that's where they're at right now timofey mozgov is really struggling for them is really their only true size at least trevor booker is back for them now well let's stay in the new york area with the news that kuzminskis is going to be waived just straight up waived because they had the knicks had to clear a roster spot in order to bring noah back because he's been suspended so that that you know after a couple games you can add a guy they've used jared jack they want to keep jared jack and and the the irony of that is too that uh if it were just about talent noah probably would get waived but just because they need to keep him on the roster in the hopes of someday getting his salary off the books like it's basically the same as the Pels are at with Ajinsa and Ashik at this point and the Lakers are with Lil Dang where I mean I get like I wonder if there's a way some some way in the CBA that you could just say hey we can keep this guy's salary on the books and still trade him but like designate him in some fashion as just like never being able to play for our team again just so you can like open up another roster spot like like a deact like a formal deactivation or something yeah although really I mean I think how about just penalizing teams for giving out really bad contracts that don't work right. out. I think 
that that's fine but but it is that's actually something i think the players would be supportive of but like the amnesty provision that the other owners would be like no you you made this you made this bed you're gonna lie in it yeah and it is too bad to see a player like kuzminskis who uh, you know i think had some moments last year and could help some teams we'll talk in a second about where we think what teams could potentially use him the aforementioned nets come to mind and they'll have their uh have the waiver priority right now up until december 1st you just use last year's standings for waiver priority but it is a shame to see it like this happened with jordan crawford as well in new orleans where he actually had played okay and because they had to keep these guys in the books just so they could maybe get rid of them later they had to move on from crawford so you you mentioned this what do you think are the most logical fits and one thing i want to mention here is that if he gets claimed then actually either way if he finishes this season on a team because kuzminskis has only been in the league for two years that team will have restricted rights over him which is a nice perk because he's i believe 27 years old right now yeah and his early bird rights if he gets claimed would at least continue with that new team right that was, that was something that there was an arbitration on back under the 2011 cba regarding steve novak and jeremy lynn and they were found to in fact have had bird rights but as far as teams that could use kuzminskis he played more three than i expected last year but i think as a and as a four he's very very limited defensively in terms of his toughness in the post but he'll get out in transition he shot the ball well at times last year so i, I think certainly the nets who can use anybody on the wing at this point would be an option there i don't think he as an older guy he's 28 he really fits in with a rebuilding team i know the nets are rebuilding but they at least don't have the, the draft pick incentive i think maybe indiana could make some use of him especially while uh, gr3 is out now of course they have to find a way to claim him or maybe just sign him too because he's making about three million this year so you got to have cap space or or a trade exception um you know not a ton of other teams come to mind right now as far as being able to use him. i'm sure they tried to trade him and, and were unable to do so okc actually maybe could, could find a use for him especially if this whole robertson thing continues to spiral out of control with him just being fouled well, all the time and if patterson takes a little bit longer to get back than just somebody who can eat up some of those minutes for the for the period of time yeah and they've got enough length that they could get away with playing him hiding him places because they have enough other other athletes on that team i mean i think he actually could help the kings a little bit who need a stretch four option again his credentials as a four are a little bit low uh, defensively but he at least you know can rebound and hustle uh, on offense uh and i think the, I don't the blazers think be... actually could use kind of like yeah. a stretch four option as well uh, although again i mean i was thinking about seeing how good he actually is but yeah i was thinking about the clippers too if he clears waivers they can't claim him because they have they're way too close to the to the tax or to the hard cap actually more accurately but he could be somebody who could just help them you know even if he's maybe looking for just a a, a short little spurt there i would rather have him for the rest of this year than bryce johnson who they already declined his option so there's a much of a benefit to keeping him around unless they want to give him the minimum next year uh yeah the wizards probably could use him maybe as, as an, another guy who could get into the mix for some stretch four minutes perhaps uh in atlanta they also are really really hurting for big men ursan Ilyasova was supposed to be reevaluated after two weeks still doesn't appear to be close with his knee soreness then miles Plumley was supposed to be out two to three weeks from a quad injury that happened in camp still no signs of him returning and mike muscala has now missed five straight games with an ankle injury and is not supposed to return i think in their next game either so it's been a ton of john collins they've been starting luke babbitt at four so it's basically been collins babbitt and deadman up front and then they've had to go with prince a lot at the four but uh atlanta at two and eleven now i mean it's pretty much they're gonna be if they haven't packed it in already they will be moving in that direction and these injuries to players who are not stars by any means but those are all three of those guys oh i shouldn't say plumley necessarily but at least two of them are their experience in the front court and they uh have been missed the clippers are still the walking wounded beverly and gallinari are both going to miss their game hosting the sixers on monday night that's disappointing that they're going to need those guys back and that's kind of what i was getting at with kuzminskis is that their guard depth is a lot scarier than their forward depth it's just that it's right now kuzminskis is a better player than they can get on the wing jared dudley we talked in the 15 and 60 about how he had that great plus minus in 71 minutes but he's now out with a knee injury for one to two weeks alfred payton as we record this questionable but seems likely to play tonight against golden state if he's really questionable i probably would just hold him out against golden state anyway because he's not going to make a difference for you with augustine still out for the duration of this road trip with his hamstring issue i would just punt on this one if i were orlando and give him a little bit more time because it's clearly been slow to heal from this hamstring issue and why bring him back in a game you're just going to lose anyway maybe they'll just give him 10 minutes to try to kind of get up to speed a little bit uh rajon rondo with his hernia surgery about a week 
takeaway per Alvin Gentry. Ron Baker has been healthy, but he's been assigned to the G League as a rehab, but also because he's really behind Jack and uh, Nilakina now in the Nits point guard hierarchy. I don't know whether he's behind or ahead of Sessions, who's been getting some DMPs as well, but it's not exactly a murderer's row of point guards that he uh, has been unable to break into so far. We'll see maybe if he can get healthier, if that'll change, but uh, he's certainly making enough money that you would hope. I think he's making more money than any of those guys. He is, and he might be the current leader in the clubhouse for the player most likely to pick up his option for next year. I think his option's like $4.3 million. Mirza Toledovic has been missing time with knee soreness. He is scheduled to try and ramp up his activity on Wednesday, but it'll probably be at least you know a few more days before he's able to get back on the court. And his absence is why DeAndre Liggins has been playing more. They The hope was that when they got Bledsoe, they would be able to not have to play Terry or Liggins or Rashad Vaughn, but they've had to get those guys in the lineup because they just need some more minutes with Toledovic out. Everyone can kind of get pushed up or pushed down a little bit, I should say, when Toledovic can play at the big positions. Uh, in Memphis, we mentioned that Macklemore and Wayne Selden are back yesterday. Jamichael Green has been upgraded doubtful at the same time as Jarrell Martin, who has not played particularly well, uh, is questionable for tonight's game with a knee injury. So Green probably won't be back yet, but if he can get back within the next week or so coming off that high ankle sprain he suffered like a few minutes in on opening night, that would be a boon for the Grizz as well. And the last one, at least that I can think of, is that, oh no, we had Norman Powell too. Uh, the Pistons have been doing a nice job of dealing with the absences of John Luer and Stanley Johnson. And a lot of that's gone to Luke Kennard and Bullock, at least in the perimeter. And then Anthony Tolliver, just a solid vet. We knew when they brought him back that Stan Van trusted him and was going to give him time. And he's done a nice job. Yeah, I thought Kennard actually had some nice moments defensively as a help defender late in their game against Miami. He actually like rotated over and stopped Whiteside once. I think he blocked Dion Waiters coming from behind as Waiters drove to the basket. And he had another nice play where he helped a on the roll man he's going to struggle in individual defense but he seems to at least being able to execute so he'll be someone to watch as well uh, in portland myers leonard has returned from his ankle injury unclear how much he's going to play though with vonley back as well but maybe they'll try him in games where they just don't have enough shooting and then norm powell suffered a hip pointer he actually left the arena on crutches sunday og Ananobi started the second half and you would imagine that he probably will start going forward in whatever powell's absence will be and then the last one, Nikola Batum, I mentioned this a little bit, but just to get more specific on it, he did his first full scrimmage on Sunday and he could be back Wednesday for their game against Cleveland. But, you know, if it's later in the week, they've still, they need those minutes in his rotation, even though Jeremy Lamb and a few others have impressed in his absence. Oh no, there's a last, last one. And that is Derek Rose. Oh still yeah. Out again. You remember against Milwaukee, that hard foul from Greg Monroe. He had that weird eversion rather than inversion ankle sprain, which is the interior of the ankle when it flexes out and he played a few games and then indicated maybe he came back too soon he's been out the last three he's missed seven overall now it will not play on monday but quite frankly i think they've looked a lot better with shumpert in the starting lineup uh, defending opposing point guards rather than him so if we're actually done uh, a couple of small promotional things uh, i have a podcast i already recorded it with chris herring at 538 for real jam radio that is going to come out soonish i have it almost done editing just working through a few technical things so either monday night tuesday during the day hopefully and then league pass games of the week for those of you who don't know it's a regular feature i write for real gm and it is a good calibrator for the games that i'm watching you know other than the national stuff of course but it, it's a good thing there and then i have just a ton of pieces in the work and you can buy my book 100 things warriors fans should know and do before they die it is available through triumph books and basically whatever form you want except audiobook because i'm not doing that yet and actually bloomberg was nice enough to do an article on danny and me and the show so you can check that out thanks to the writer dan nosowitz and photographer casey clifford to made us look like something other than 90s album covers <laughs> which is the what it was the last time that someone did an article on, on me but uh although it did uh spun some hilarious jokes from brent barry and others uh actually my fiance i thought had the best one she said that my album should be uh or, or the title song in the album should be uh fast break my heart i, I thought pretty uh, tony braxton inspired which is gr- which is well i was muted for part of it but uh tony braxton inspired and she has a basketball <laughs> connection too oh yeah all right that's a good one to end on here don't forget about our, our new sponsor today simple contacts use that cap space code at simplecontacts.com slash cap space for 30 percent off your contact lenses talk to you all tomorrow we'll do a gamer tomorrow night can't wait till then
Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.